A message from our sponsor, Pivot Lending Group, Littleton, Colorado. Pivot Lending Group provides a tailored mortgage lending experience with strong local builder and realtor relationships and customized loan services. We pivot to help you grow in your community and realize your personal home ownership goals. Visit us at pivotlending.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Pivot Podcast. This is your host, Tim Regan. I am the branch manager for Pivot Lending here in Scottsdale. And today we are joined by an absolute champion of a person, Mr. Tim McBride. Tim, how are you, sir? Tim, it's great to be here. Thanks for extending the introduction. I'm doing very well. The meeting of the Tim. So Mr. McBride is a, an amazing real estate agent here in the Phoenix Scottsdale area who does just an absolute amazing job, not just in real estate, but also involving the community and giving back to the community, which is how him and I have kind of connected and where we have found a lot of commonalities that uh, having a passion, not just for doing a great job in your work and your day to day, but extending that beyond into the community and making an impact. And so I know he can do a much better job of introducing his story and and who he is than I am. So Tim, if you would, would you just give us a quick little background, how you got to where you are, where you kind of started in your career and how you ended up here in in the Phoenix metro area in real estate? Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to continue to grow and just friendship with you, my friend. I appreciate all the work you do, both as a professional and uh, someone that sees the opportunity to give back to your to the communities that you connect with. So I uh, learned a lot from just being able to watch from a distance and in person. So thank you for what you do and having me here. You know, my background is pretty diverse. You know, if you had told me five years ago, I'd be a real estate agent in Scottsdale, I'll tell you, you're kidding yourself. You know, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. I'm a Canadian. I was, you know, a big sports enthusiast and I was always drawn to that industry from a professional standpoint. And I came to actually down to Arizona to pursue my business degree uh, for college at Arizona State University. And I had the, the dreams of maybe getting a collegiate scholarship in golf. You know, I was a big hockey player, but knew nothing was coming from that. But in all the training I did, I realized that the business out of sport is really where my passions lie. And I quickly got my degree, moved to LA and was in the agency world, working my way up and realized that I really had more of a connection and, and uh, inspiration to pursue the, the creative side of the sports entertainment space. So I ended up getting my master's, staying in Southern California, working for Red Bull Corporate in their event marketing space. And in that, I kind of got the entrepreneurial spirit plugged in. And I ended up creating a company called Pledger, which took you know real-time fantasy data and triggered that into charitable giving based off the players and teams um, that were using their platforms to do good. And uh, over years, we built it. It's actually what relocated my family and I to Arizona back in 2015 from LA. And I came here with the expectation that I was going to launch and grow a company that was going to allow players to use their platform to serve their communities and invite fans into that. And I was going to kind of be my legacy play, if you will. Unfortunately, that's not how it played out. And after you know trying to save the business, and for many reasons, I decided to have to make a change. I, I had two kids at the time, and now I have a third. And as I try to kind of recreate myself here in a new market in a new city, I met some amazing people on. Now, one of them invited me into the real estate space and says, said, it's a two worlds. It's either transactional or relational because you seem to really enjoy building relationships and business development. You should give it a go. And, you know, I, I, I fought it for a while because I never saw myself as a real estate agent, never kind of aspired to be one, always wanted to kind of be in a different industry. But as I got into it, I just embraced it. 
And I didn't allow the title to define who I was in the role. And I think that was important for me. Uh, I quickly wanted to lean into who I was and some of the key learnings I've had along the way and have that be a part of my reputation, my brand here in real estate. And that's something I saw early on is there's a great opportunity to really build a a brand for yourself. That's very entrepreneurial in so many ways. Uh, And in such a competitive landscape, you have to be creative and you have to think outside the box. And one thing I knew I I didn't want to do was kind of conform to a lot of the traditional marketing components of uh, what a lot of realtors do. And uh, not to say there's anything wrong with that, but it just wasn't authentically me. So what I did early on is I heard about open homes and a great way to use that as a platform to build your network and build business. And in 2017, when I got licensed, which was you know end of July, I joined Realty Executives through a relationship I had with a friend not knowing a whole lot about the brokerage, but it was a large one. It had a lot of inventory. So I put out an email to all the all the offices in Scottsdale and just said, listen, Wayne Gretzky has a quote, you miss 100 shots uh, that you don't take. And I'm going to sit 100 open homes by the end of the year. And for me, it was a way just to completely commit myself to the industry, com- show commitment to the business for my family and build my network because I didn't have a network here. I you know, Southern California for 12 years. And uh, I, so I didn't have those those relationships to lean back on to give me early deals. So I quickly, because of that email, I got introduced to James Wexler, who was one of their top producing agents at the time and still is. And uh, he and his brother had built their business in a similar fashion with open houses consistently. And I just took him for coffee and just said, listen, I'm new to business. This is what I'm trying to create. Uh, I'd love to you know, pick your brain and ask a few questions and, and learn from someone that's kind of been there, done that. And early on in that conversation, I realized I needed to work with him and just extended that invitation for myself to join his team. And he said, yes. And it's been a perfect compliment since. But three and a half years later, what motivates me in this business is is the relationship component of it. But to me, it's so much more than just my clients. It's so transactional in a lot of ways. And I understand that. And a lot of people talk about it as being relational as well. But to me, that relationship goes so much further than just our clients. We have the capacity to talk to anyone at any time every day because everyone has a relationship with real estate and everyone has a connection to the concept of home. And in those 100 days doing those open houses, which I did, I realized there's so much more value here than to just sell my services. So uh, I ended up partnering with 12 nonprofits kind of in tribute to my old company for 2018 and just said, listen, I'm going to sit 20 open houses for you. Uh, this month, I'm going to give out of my own pocket $5 for every every open house I do. And I'm going to give a dollar for everyone that comes in. And again, these are triggers that I created for myself to make me go to work every day, but also to create a conversation with someone. So anytime someone came into my open house, I just said, thank you for showing up today. Uh, because if you walk in through this door, a dollar is going to go back into the community to support XY organization for this particular need. And uh, as I started doing it, it, just became kind of my why in this business and a passion that I had to be what I call myself more of a change agent than a real estate agent. And it's not a self-serving term. It's just for me, a way to kind of keep myself motivated to think about a bigger purpose in this business than just the transaction. And uh, it's just kind of grown. And now three and a half years later, we've raised over $50,000, served over 18 different organizations. Uh, I've now t- turned the story away from the open house and I like to say, you watch Million Dollar Listing, the show on the story they like to tell you on that uh, on that platform is the commission an agent makes, the lifestyle that creates, and the value of the home. Uh, well, I want to flip that story upside down. And Homes for Good is about doing that. It's turning transactions into local transformations. So I uh, made a commitment for my team and I, $100 gets given for every transaction we do to go back to particular nonprofits in our community that were selected by my leadership committee, uh, which was a new uh, addition to my platform this last year. Uh, leaders in our community do amazing work and they all nominated organizations to support and we voted and four were selected. So all year in 2021, for every transaction we do, 
uh, $100 goes back to specific needs within each four uh, nonprofit partners. And I can go into more details of all of those if you'd like, but I feel like I've been talking no, for no, a while. No, no. A- absolutely. So before we get there, let, let, let's, go, let's go back a second, right? A hundred open houses. You don't know anything about real estate. You just know, hey, I'm going to go sit a hundred open houses, right? You're going to, based off a quote from Wayne Gretzky, which I love, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but these aren't just Saturday, Sunday, when everything's busy. These are when you can get in, somebody's willing to allow you in their listing. Could be a Tuesday afternoon, could be a, you know, any day of the week, you just know that you're getting out there and you're, you're committing to those hundred homes. Yeah. It, it was matter. Monday through Sunday type of, yeah. Monday through Sunday. As I, as I broke it out when I, so I got licensed in, in mid July. Hold on. Let, 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 let's stop. Let's stop there for a second. I don't mean to interrupt you, but let's stop there for a second. What's, what's it like in July in Phoenix? It's hot. It's really hot. <laughs> and, and so what are most people doing? They're, they're, they, they're not necessarily out getting it out of their house into a car, back out of their car, back into another house. Correct? Right. But well, I didn't you necessarily start the campaign till uh, August, it's right? Still hot. So. It's still hot. <laughs> it's still hot. <laughs> but you yes, committed. Sir. That's, yes, that's my point is that you, you committed, right? You committed to it and you followed through with it. Absolutely. Right. And, and you, you, you know, along the way, I can't imagine all the stories that you were able to tell about how this, even at the $1 level, how that's going to impact somebody because it, it becomes cumulative. A hundred open houses is a lot of open houses. And it felt that way. You know, I think what was fun is I made it a game for myself. And again, it was a tribute to my old company, Pledger, where it took a live action to create a donation. Right. Right? We would, I would approach a player and say, you know, for every, we're going to give the fans access to the data behind your playing ability. So if it's three pointer you hit tonight, the dollar's going to go back into your story. So you and your fans can connect on a more personal level to support an immediate need here, our community. So, you know, example for every three pointer Devin Booker hits, the community is giving alongside Devin's action and together they're going to make an impact. So that's kind of what it was for every open house I sit, not only am I committing to my business, but uh, I'm able to give back. Uh, and give without any expectation to receive. That was a big part of it. I just wanted to honor these organizations that do so much. And so much of real estate you hear in conversation is buying the home, but also buying into the community. And what better story to tell than the people that are serving others every day in our city to make it a stronger, safer, better uh, opportunity for so many more people. Yeah. So that that's kind of how it started. And I'd have materials there. So we had Alice Cooper posters. We had golf clubs for First Team in Phoenix. We had, you know, shoes for foster care kids. We had, you name it. Uh, I brought their materials in and made it look like it was their space. And uh, it wasn't just me claiming a nonprofit on Google that looked great. I actually met with them, found a need and helped fulfill that. They're just sharing who they, who they were, what they were about, their why. And if people got behind it, great. If anything, you know, I could just plant a seed and maybe people left a little more inspired to reach out to, to organizations or networks that they're more personally connected with and, and give time, talent, treasure, whatever it may be. And so as you were doing this, was it, was it a different organization for every open house or you had multiple for every, every open house? So for the first hundred, it was just me doing open houses. It had nothing to do with charity at the time. It was, like I said, it was a commitment to the business for me. Like I'm going to get out there every day, just see if I can build relationships with people. And I would say about halfway through, I realized there's so much more potential in this space than what I'm giving it and what I saw the industry give it. Anyone that came in my open house quickly had all the information they needed in their palm of their hand. And, you know, trying to consider myself tech savvy, I realized that 
people don't need me really until unless they have a specific question that is outside of the criteria of the home. Uh, but they had everything they needed. And I kind of leaned into the idea of that, you know, someone's going to work with someone they know, trust, and like, not just me going, welcome to this three bedroom, two bathroom home that's 1400 <laughs> square feet that's built in 94. You know, no one wants to hear that. And they already know it. And they have the tax records to show the past sales record. Like they have Zillow telling them the potential evaluation of the home. So they have enough resources already available to them that they don't need me trying to just push my services and try to manipulate the conversation to get their email phone number. So I'm like, how can I just genuinely create a relationship with this person? And after, you know, thinking about it, kind of just, you know, that my old company kind of inspired me to take that theory, if you will, and bring it into the real estate space. And something that's important is I always saw sport as so much more as a platform that entertained me. It was a platform that gave back and and served so many on so many different levels. Uh, there's so much power behind sport as a whole. I saw real estate quickly as something similar. And when I did, that's when I really loved this industry. I realized that everyone can be in relationship with real estate on some capacity. It can serve them on some capacity. And uh, I didn't want to just be that transactional agent. I didn't want to chase leaderboards. I didn't want to chase numbers. I mean, though they're important and I have my own internal kind of scoreboard that I work on. Obviously, I got to provide for my family, take care of my family and for homes for good to be what I want it to be. I need to be successful in my business, right? But what I did is I'm like, this in 2018, I'm just like, uh, each month, I'm going to do a nonprofit. So instead of just doing another bunch of open houses, I'm going to each month dedicate a, uh, a bunch of open houses to one nonprofit. So it started with the Boys and Girls Club of South Scottsdale. A good buddy of mine, uh, Austin Bates, uh, honored me early on by making a commitment to match everything I raised for that entire year. And for doing that, I asked, you know, you get to pick the first nonprofit. And he used to coach football down at that um, at that Barker branch. And we just approached him and said, listen, here's what I'd love to do to support you guys, celebrate you guys. I'm going to set 20 open houses in January 2018. I'm going to give you $5. That's going to be a minimum commitment of $100 to you by the end of the month. And anyone that comes in, I'll give another dollar. And where is there a need? What is their story that I can share? And we end up raising over $1,000 for them. And it helps sponsor four kids um, go back to Atlanta that summer to be a part of a big national STEM curriculum that otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford to go. So, you know, that story right there was enough motivation to just keep this thing going. Yeah. And, and that's the impact. That's the story is you're going along in your daily life and building your career and building your network and doing these things. But intertwined within that is making these to to those kids that is a a huge experience a, a a huge opportunity to learn and a story that they will tell probably for the rest of their lives right i mean that's not just that has nothing to do with whether you sold that house or not right nothing to do with it no. uh, has nothing to do with that and what that commission is and what the square footage but the the story of that is the impact that it's made on those for kids who had the opportunity to go down and participate in that program. And that's, to me, that's where it's like, you know, I see the big picture of that where anything we can ever do to be supportive. I know we've talked offline and we will work on some stuff, but you know, those are the stories that need to be told, not just, Oh, look at this beautiful home we sold and what, how much we made off of it, what the profitability is, which is as we talk, you know, and as we have talked, I think it's so important to get your message out there because it's so much bigger than than the closing table for for the family. Even though the people who are who are transacting on a transacting on a particular house, that transaction is huge for them. Somebody is selling a home that they have emotional attachment to and moving on, and somebody who needs a place to live is is moving in, right? And that's a big deal. 
and that's a big part of, big part of what we do. But be, behind that, what they're also become a part of is these stories that are being created like those four kids. And I know that was just the beginning. So I'd love for you, I'd love you to, if you can. So that happens, right? And that leads you into creating what you, the beginnings of what you have now, which is your organization, which is Homes for Good. And and so if you could talk a little bit about how that came together with Austin and with your other board members and who you're serving in this coming year and, and beyond, if you know it. Yeah. So, you know, I testament to kind of my past is that I really wanted to lean into some of the skill sets, some of the key learnings I had from past organizations. And when I kind of, you know, I, I say thank you to Austin a lot because when he said, when I shared what I was doing, because he's just a really good friend and uh, for 2018, he said, dude, go create it. I haven't heard anything like that before. I've been in this industry a long time. Uh, I'll just match whatever you raise. You know, that allowed me to kind of just start getting creative in my own head, thinking more entrepreneurial. And I just went in and, you know, thought of like Red Bull and some creative strategies and started investing in websites and branding and things like that. Cause that's something that really excites me. So that whole year just went by and that, and we did 12 organizations. We raised, um, a little over, what was it? A little over just under $13,000, I believe it was. And, you know, I learned a lot in it. I ended up helping a client that I know we're connected with LLS. Uh, she came in, I was helping, I think it was make a wish at the time. And she shared her story of, of, being diagnosed with leukemia and then overcoming it and the story. And she was now leading a fundraising campaign, for example, with her friends and family to give back. And, and that's why I built this, you know, we can be fluid, we can adjust. And I said, why don't we, why don't we help raise money to support your, your, your program to give back to LS society. So uh, it was a very fun year, but what I realized in 18 was I didn't get to go deep enough with each organization. So in 2019, I broke it into four and did quarterly campaigns, same concept, if you will, but, not every month. So we did one for every three months. And that was a success. But what I started to, you know, miss out on was creating really valuable content. You know, I was getting to storytell and talk more peer to peer. And it was a part of my daily conversation with my network and clients, but it was, I was trying to find ways to bring more people into the story. And then in 2020, you know, COVID hits and I'm no longer allowed to be outside and interacting and, you know, networking and just being in conversations with our marketplace. I realized that where I was struggling was I was always focused on, I don't think unintentionally focused on raising a certain amount of money. And that was the wrong trigger for me. And I had a mentor of mine tell me, he's like, Tim, you know, it's not how much you raise. It's the story behind the dollar, right? It's the impact behind the dollar. And that's the asset you've created and you built. So stop thinking about how can you raise more money? How can you raise more? Who else can I invite into this to give alongside? Talk about the stories of impact. Because that's it's the purpose of Homes for Good is impact, right? And that light bulb just went off. It took someone on the outside looking at me and just saying, just open your eyes, buddy. It's right here. And so last year, kind of mid midsummer into summer, I made that shift. I redid my whole website, re redid all the branding and messaging. And one thing I knew is I didn't want to do it alone because I have a big vision for this to not just impact our city, but you know, scale across the state and around the country and maybe even more. And that's a I'm happy to go into conversations on that and what we can do. But uh Part of part of my my thing was I I can't do this alone. So if I want to make a bigger impact and you know change people's lives, I got to do it as a community. And so I reached out to eight people. I identified eight people that were kind of in my professional sphere that I knew knew who what I was doing and that could be an asset and just connect with what I'm doing. You know, authentic that's authentic to them. And I just reached out and said, "Listen, here's what I'm building. 
for next year. I'm not going to ask a whole lot, but it's going to be kind of a leadership committee. And I'd love to have your influence on it and your perspective on it because it will allow me to kind of turn home so good into what I envision it being. And I laid it all out for them. And they all said yes. And I, my one ask was, please come to our first meeting with a, with a nomination for a local emerging nonprofit. You know, I, I had learned a lot from working with some of the bigger ones. Uh, but I wanted this to be very grassroots and very relationship driven with each organization. So I didn't want necessarily to work with one of the bigger ones because otherwise we'd be asking, we'd have to give them a lot of money up front to get a lot of their commitment. I wanted it to be an actual partnership. So everyone did. And we, I heard amazing organizations. We ended up putting it to vote and the vote was tied at the top for four. And that was Giving Soul, Amanda Hope Rainbow Angels, Phoenix Dream Center and Girls on the Run. So we made a commitment that in 2021, those would be the four that we help all year. And I turned it from an open house concept and, and people coming into the open house to for every transaction, my team, and we're a small team, does in 2021, we're gonna, I'm going to make personally a commitment of 100 bucks to give back to those four groups, so 25 to each. And I met with each and invited them to be a part of it. They all said yes. And I asked for specific you know, content and I asked for a story like, what can a certain dollar amount do? Because you know, oftentimes we see big dollars given, but we don't see where they directly go and the stories behind the impact of those dollars. And I believe if people were more educated on how their dollars were being spent and how lives were being changed, they'd give more often. So I can kind of be that conduit for the nonprofit to help share their story consistently without them having to because they've got enough to worry about. And if we can tie it to a specific dollar amount to create a particular impact, then you know I'm fulfilling my mission too to turn transactions into local transformation or local impact. So uh, of, the, of those groups, yeah, the one I'm most familiar with is Giving Soul, right? And I, I want, I'd, I'd love if you could, all four of them. So give us an example of, if I'm not mistaken, with Giving Soul, every $65 uh, allows a, a foster kid uh, a pair of shoes, right? Uh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Go, run through that. Give us an, uh, a, an example for those four of what some dollars will do. So at the beginning, uh, meeting with each ask for a need. So giving soul, and I ask that everyone, that if you're listening to this, take some time and go review each of the four because I, you know, I can never do it justice, but they all have incredible stories and purposes behind why they do what they do. And one thing that's incredible in a year where the nonprofit industry was just devastated, all four of these really just continue to lean in and be of service and not, not stand still or not quit, if you will. So it was an honor to help all of them, but giving soul, I, that's actually the group I had meant, I had nominated. I, had a history of them and just love their story. Yeah. So with an experience with the foster care system with themselves, uh, and then an interaction their son had with LeBron James and him being such a big basketball fan, they decided to work with the, the foster care system. They saw how broken it was. They saw how hurting a lot of these kids are based on their own experiences. And Gavin, their son at the age of 10, wanted to give a brand new pair of basketball shoes to the kids living in foster system. And he wanted to give them a bag because it was symbolic of the garbage bag that their little girl showed up to their house with that had possessions in it that weren't even hers. And the more they knew about the industry, the more, you know, they knew it needed help. And the way they thought they could just kind of serve them was to do it through a brand new pair of shoes. And they wanted it to be an athletic shoe, something that was new, not old. Uh, not worn, something new that they deserved. And, and a bag and the to slogan that they created was these shoes have a name and you are more than, you know, based off of you're more than your situation, more than your environment. And Gavin writes a little note in each bag, just speaking into these kids' lives. And, you know, they work with agencies to figure out the age, you know, shoe size, they go out and buy it and then deliver it to them. So 
amazing story. And as they've grown the last couple of years, you know, they're meeting the needs of a lot of kids. And with our, with our program, we, we do know $65 sponsors one will buy, provide a brand new pair of shoes for kids for one child. And they have a goal with their partnerships to serve one foster home every month. So that could be anywhere from eight to 12 kids. Um, so the second one is, let's say Amanda Hope Rainbow Angels. And that's an incredible story as well. Uh, please take a look into that. And it's, what we figured out with them is, you know, they really serve in the pediatric cancer world on a lot of levels. And one thing through a personal, it's all, you know, built off of the legacy of a little girl, Amanda Hope. And she designed what is called a comfy cozy. And it's uh, a clothing item and tie dye. It's really colorful. It's really neat. And it's designed to give children a voice and a choice in their treatment. And there's zippers all over for where their ports are. And anytime a child's diagnosed with cancer here in the state of Arizona, they are given a comfy cozy. And it's $35 for a comfy cozy. So in working with Amanda Hope, we determined that $35 will provide a brand new, will provide a comfy cozy for some child here that's battling cancer. And then um, Phoenix Dream Center. So with them, they do a ton. And again, if you're not familiar with them, please look them up. But um, they're big in the trafficking space. And that's obviously a very public conversation right now uh, with the last year or so. And Phoenix is in Arizona is a really rough state for it, as I've learned. And you know they do so much and do do a lot at higher price points. So when I met with their chief development officer, Carlos Daniel, I asked, you know, what is there some, something small? What can a small donation today do to help you know impact someone's life here? We came up with $100 will help transition someone from off the streets into their two-week intake program. So for that, for us, it's $100 goes back towards helping serve someone, get off the streets, get out of a situation that uh, isn't safe, and put them into the security of the Phoenix Dream Center downtown and in their intake program to help them transition to bettering their lives or putting themselves onto the right track. So that's incredible. And then the last one is Girls on the Run. And this is a really neat program. It's a, a mentorship program for girls, third grade to eighth grade. Uh, it's available to everyone, but tends to serve more of the T1 school districts. And it's pretty much free. So, you know, all they ask of the parents, I think, is a $10 donation show that commitment to help their kids get to the after school programs. And it typically just runs in the spring. And we learned that more than 50% of their girls this year would require sponsorships. So for $180, you could sponsor a girl to be a part of their whole training curriculum. And then at the end of it, they run, which they just did, uh, and are in the process of doing it. I think they're doing it over two weeks is the is a 5K kind of run where you, the girls run with their mentors and coaches and do it together. And just it's all about you know encouragement, self-esteem development, character development, and just lifting these girls up in their communities to have them believe that um, you know they can accomplish whatever they put their minds to. So having a daughter who's six, you know, I love that story and just can come relate because I'm always speaking into her and just trying to validate her to the best of my ability to let her believe there's nothing she can't do and can't overcome. And that's kind of many ways a lot of the work they're doing. So uh, those are the four. So 180 to sponsor a girl, 100 to transition someone from the street into the intake program, uh, $65 for a pair of shoes and $35 for a comfy cozy. And what's cool is we're allowed to say for this transaction, we're going to help fill those needs. So lives are going to be directly impacted because of a transaction. So for me, I get to serve my client with their need, which is such an important story in their life. But I also get to use that that access to help them understand that this transaction is also serving those in, in our community that are in, either in tough situations or, or a little less fortunate. And I immediately I've had people come in and match and, and partner. So as of today... You know, one transaction isn't a hundred dollars. It's it's almost three hundred dollars. 
based off of matching partners have committed since day one. And to date, in April, we'll have done, I think, 68 transactions in the first four months. And with I'm expected to do a little over 7,600 this month. I think we'll have raised, I think we'll have raised over $20,000 at the end of April, so the first quarter. And I have some other partners on board that come in in May. And for me, I think what's really important is it's not necessarily about showing this, the $20,000 check. It's the lives, the number of lives touched because right. of those dollars amount. And I, that's my goal is I want to take this one step further. And I, I said it earlier, you know, a million dollar listing, such a popular show and the story they talk about as a commission. What if the story of that show was the four, the four homes, the Altman brothers sold that show actually built a basketball court in the inner city for the boys and girls club, giving kids now a program and an outlet. I think there's so much power in that. And, you know, from a branding marketing standpoint, um, huge, huge value. To share to your community how much you're committed to the community itself and giving back to it and helping it thrive on a lot of levels. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one, I, I love the backdrop there, and I love the stories of you know the thirty-five dollars, sixty-five dollars, hundred dollars, hundred eighty. Understanding like as you're a part of what we got going on, this is how you're impacting in in what ways, right? That to me, that's amazing. Um, but and we've talked about this. You know, I think we think about it similar is that if if all we ever do in our career is close transactions, we've we failed along the way. I heard somebody say something this morning. I know we've been on Clubhouse a little bit. I was listening in and they were talking about content, right? And the storytelling and what people are doing. And the guy said, we focus so much on the people who don't see it, right? Like, oh, only 200 people saw it. Oh, only a thousand people saw it or whatever that is, right? But with within that group that's seen it, those people are being impacted. And that's that's where the reach needs to be. And the focus needs to be on, on who and how you're impacting those people that you're actually touching and not necessarily worrying about the ones that you're not. Because how do you get them? I mean, how do you get that attention? Only by continuously creating that content and telling those stories through your missions, through your partnerships, through, you know, the the amazing impact that you're having with these these individuals, the the charities, your board and everybody else who's involved. So, you know, I I, I love that it's it, it's more than real estate. This conversation is more than real estate. I know that uh, I do have some real estate related questions. <laughs> right? but to me, yeah, shoot, it's, shoot. It's, it's literally it's it's just so I, I know it's so genuine and i know it's had such a, a big impact for so many people that you know i i, I want to do it justice in the amount of time we spend on it i, I do want to ask so we're we're into quarter two now in 2021 so what's the layout of of those four partnerships then so do you you take what's raised Q1 and give to one or you you split up all four every quarter? Good question. And this is what really excites me for this year and beyond is that I was able to partner with a, an amazing local kind of fintech company, if you will. But they're a generosity platform is what they call them. They're uh, a giving portal and they're called Uncommon Giving and Dave McMaster is present. He's on my board. And that allows me to actually do what we're doing. So people can give honestly and confidently that their money's protected. They onboard the nonprofits, secure them. And they're the ones that... So we give through the Uncommon platform, which is a 501c3. And they redistribute the funds, 100% of which go to the organizations. 
the fund that we created is called a You Give Fund. So all four nonprofits are on that and it's on the uncommon.com slash homes for good. We'll put all that up there later or through my website. But if you give a hundred dollars, it's broken up equally and $25 goes to each of our partners. So we make a contribution every month. So I'm about to write an email today probably because there's 29 saying, you know, here's our update for the month to my partners. You know, we've closed on 17 transactions. You know, that's $1,700 just for myself. That's going based off my team. And then with matching partners, you know, that has escalated. And I had two amazing donors out of nowhere decide to give $1,000 each this month. You know, I have a coffee partner that's giving a dollar per bag and we're going to give over 7,600 when it's all said and done in this month. And I'll share that. And then all those dollars will then be gifted through the, our donor portal and distributed equally to each nonprofit. So 7,600 is going to be, you know, what's that a little under about 1,800 or so per nonprofit. So then you break, you break that 18 down to those small donation numbers. And that's where we're going to tell the story of impact. So I do want you to give it. What what is the website that that it goes through? The best way to do is go to my my website. Un, sorry, Homes for Good. So that's Homes F O R Good G O D A Z dot com. Homes for Good A Z dot com. And on there, you'll have all the information. If you want to learn more about the giving experience, you just click on uh, any of the donate buttons, and that will directly link out to my. Homes for Good paid through Uncommon and that captures all the donations. And again, if someone gives, you know, they provide all the tax documents down the road. So when it's tax season, you know, they've got their charitable gift recognized. So, and again, they, they onboard the nonprofit, make sure they feel that's what they're for. That's what they built this for is to create giving and awaken generosity more in our country. It's an incredible platform, a lot of amazing resources behind it. And uh, it's an honor to have them as a partner. It allows me to have, you know, for profits give alongside me, partner with me, and no one's giving me money. Everyone feels like this is a legitimate operation now. And, you know, in my mind, it gives me the ability to start scaling too. You know, let's take this, let's take this outside, Phoenix. Let's go. Absolutely. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I, I really don't know how to praise you more for, for, <laughs> for, you know, taking the steps that you have. So I, I just really appreciate you. I want to make sure we get into some real estate, right? So give the listeners an idea of this crazy Phoenix market and what's going on right now. And, and what what are some of your pain points, right? And, and, and I say you, and really it's your clients, right? What they're, what they're going through and what you're working through with them in, in this current market that we're in. You know, I think we're being in April right now. There's a lot of exhaustion. You know, I think it's, uh, <laughs> our spring market, that's the thing. People, our spring market isn't really the spring market. Our spring market really starts. Uh, it goes all year, really. It goes all year, <laughs> and that's the thing is I, we're not going to stop again. Usually, our summertime slows, and I think just with rates the where they way they are being so low. You know, the seller knows it's a seller's market. They can get more for their home, and buyers can afford more home because the rates are low. But that's a scary conversation because people start thinking that, but they don't. They need to be educated on the dollars that they have set aside to help them secure that more expensive home. Just because you're pre-qualified at a certain number doesn't mean you can afford that home necessarily. Preach. I heard the other day that we're Maricopa across the county, we're selling five to seven percent over ask. So if you're pre-qualified at six hundred thousand, for example, don't look at six hundred thousand dollar homes because in your mind you've got to think that's gonna go for six forty, six fifty, even more. Uh I've had I've seen homes go for over two hundred thousand more. You know, you're giving up everything to get that, but you can't win because it's cash. 
you know, I'll pat myself on the back. I've, I've navigated a lot of really crazy multiple offer situations. And a lot of it has to do with kind of what we were talking earlier is, you know, that personal component, that personal touch. I've had clients write multiple letter, letters throughout multiple offer counter situations, continue to say thanks to continue to share their story of why, you know, that home means so much to them. It doesn't always work because sometimes you just have a seller that wants to, you know, capitalize on the biggest return they could possibly get. But you really got to bother a lot of agents. And that's my job for my clients. You know, if we write an offer on Thursday and it's not being reviewed until Monday, it's four days of me constantly calling, texting that agent, just going, please, please listen to our offer. Consider our offer. Yeah. Here's the story. Here's why it's important. We can still play with numbers. Talk to me about where we're at. But I think. It's pretty, pretty general knowledge. Our inventory is low and our demand is high. Yeah. And with rates, with rates low and the demand to be here, I don't see our summer slowing down. You know, it's really how, how committed are you to this process? Cause you got to be all in cause it's going to beat you up. You not, I've had clients get their first home and it's taken us 14 homes to get a home. So it really depends on where you are and just how, how motivated you are to, to do this. Yeah. Uh, if you're a seller, I'm having a lot of conversations with people that are struggling to find that home either to upgrade into or downsize. So they want to sell, but they can't find the inventory to move into. So they're kind of on the edge and waiting. It's tricky, you know, and it depends on to where you are in the community in terms of, you know, price point and, and demand. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I, I talk about with buyers, it's, I talk about persistence and patience, right? And maybe that's a little bit opposite. If you're, you're in this to buy a home, right? You have to be persistent. It's not a market where you make the first offer and you're going to get it all the time. It might take 14. It might take 30, right? And so you, you have to stay persistent, but within that, you also have to have some patience because it probably won't be the first one, right? We hope and we're going to knock on wood where, you know, I'm going to work with yeah. agent partners and um, we're going to tell those stories the same way and, and try to be as creative on the financing where we can be and try to make everything work. But it, the, the likelihood of it being the first one is, is not a high probability in this market, right? So, you know, continue to look, continue to search as it comes up, work with me, work with the agents, and just know that it's going to happen, right? And that is accurate. It will come. You know, the one client I mentioned, 14 home, the 14 home they found, they were so devastated on others, but that ended up being the home they fell in love with. Yeah. And they're so happy at the end of the day that that's the property they got. That's part of the process too, is, is navigating the emotionals, emotions of my clients. Like, yes, we're going to write letters, but you got to be, see this too, as I like to say, like as a kind of a competition. If you're going to get a hundred, like so emotionally invested every home that you write an offer on, you're going to, it's going to break you. Yeah. So you can't, you get too invested into it until you win, right? <laughs> like kind of thing. And then you can let it sink in that this is our home and we can use the inspection period if we get it. But, you know, that's a whole other ballgame. You know, we're waiving inspections. We're waiving the rights to ask for repairs. We're willing to come out of pocket. And that's a big question. And I'm sure you're having it all the time with your clients. And I'm asking them to talk to their lending partner about it is, you know, at what rate, what's the best rate I can get? And at the lowest down payment, so I can have cash available to cover the difference of the appraisal. Because more often than not, we're in a position where we have to waive the appraisal and requiring it to be appraised to get the loan funded. So there's got to be some sort of cash there to cover the difference if it doesn't. I had a client the other day that you know had all this money set aside for a nice remodel, and they had to come out of pocket almost forty grand because the home didn't come close to appraised. But they felt bad. But I at the same time I sat there with them going, "Listen, we were one of nine offers. They whittled it down to us three at that price point." And we want it out. So if it wasn't you, someone else was going to do it. And it feels like you're overpaying, but if it's a home you're going to be in long term, you know, the equity is absolutely there. 
you know, it's for my investor clients. Are like, I want to buy this and flip it in two years. And, you know, we have to have a different conversation because that's a little more challenging. Yeah, sure. It, you're, you're right. I mean, I've, I've had some of, of uh, my clients that are investors. They're like, I'm not going to see it. Just put the, uh, you know, I hear them, you know, we do a three-way or a Zoom or whatever. And they're like, just put the offer in before <laughs> like, anybody else. Because it's like, I'd rather get in first and tell them I'm, I'm interested than, then mess around with it, go see it. I've seen enough homes in my lifetime. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, you know, what do you do? What do you, what do you do? I mean, you, you know, those, those people who are, are looking to get in quick and, and get out quick, it, it is definitely a different conversation. Most of the investors that, that I have that I work with tend to hold long-term and Airbnb and those kind of things. And, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, I hear all these guys who are wholesaling all these deals. It's like, how are you finding enough meat on the bone with, with as much demand as there is from the common, common public and the, and the general public to to buy homes? But real estate's moving. I I, I feel the same way you do. I, I don't know that we'll we'll slow here through this year. You know, we'll see what happens on the vaccine front. We'll see what happens with rates. I, I do think there we might get a little reprieve here locally because I think. As things have opened a little bit, I know Vegas is getting ready to open full. Uh, I think June 1st, I think Cali's starting to open a little bit. I, there's definitely demand for travel and people to travel and, and yeah. out. So maybe we see a little bit of reprieve. We also had some of the changes with Fannie and Freddie with uh, guidelines and, and pricing and interest rates on second homes and investment homes. So you know, we'll see how it goes, but I, I don't see, I mean, the market is so one-sided right now that it's going to take quite a bit to get, just to get back to even, let alone swing to the other side where it's a buyer's market. So Correct. we shall see. We're not going to look for all those, <laughs> yes, families, are. those families that just need a place to live. I, yeah. I was, I, I was going to make a quick little joke, you know, when you're talking about you don't have your, your network from Southern California, half of them well, now, moved here. I was going to say <laughs> That's changing quickly. Yeah. That's changing fast. Yeah. That's a good or bad thing. It's like my local market is losing out on homes because, you know, cash is coming in from California. It's, it's happened, you know, I'd say five, six times in the last, you know, I'd say at least month or two where we've lost out to a, just an aggressive cash buyer. And, you know, one thing I'm telling all my clients is you've got to be willing to kind of put your best foot forward up front, right off the bat. Because yeah. every listing agent, it's driving me nuts. I understand why is using this tactic of, of listing it on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And then saying in the bottom remarks, not reviewing offers till Monday. So they're literally creating like a significant multiple offer situation, which looks great to their client. Like, look what I'm doing. I'm bringing you all these deals. You know, in my opinion, it's, it's not that hard. If it's a good home in a good area, it's going to get offers right away, no matter what you do. And they all start looking and sounding the same with the terms. So everyone, if you put like, for example, I'll give you ask and price, waive everything and do like a 40,000 escalator clause. Like it's not as strong as going, I'm just going to give you 40,000 above ask. Let's go. Cause everyone's putting escalator clauses in. Everyone's waving. Everyone is coming out of pocket. So they all look the same. And it's like, just try to get in front of them early with the best possible and trying to convince them. Don't, don't wait for more. Cause it's, it's not going to get better than this, but it's a challenge, but you can't, you can't go in with the expectation to really negotiate. Cause the more offers there are, the less response you get. It's either a yes or a no, not come back to us with a counter. So you really got to be aggressive and willing to go big right off the bat. And that can be challenging for some people. Get into real estate. It'll be easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we, we, we do have to wind down here. I do want to give you an opportunity to make sure you let everybody know 
how to get a hold of you. Your, please give out your phone number, your email, let everybody know how they can reach out to you, and then definitely uh, any contact information for Homes for Good. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me. I appreciate you know any opportunity to be in conversation with you and to share the story of what I'm trying to accomplish. And my name is Tim McBride. I'm partner of Wexler Real Estate Group here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And my email is Tim at Wexler. That's W-E-X-L-E-R real estate.com. Email is easy. My cell phone is 858-775-5422. Please uh, text call at any time. I'm always available. I'm a big coffee guy. So, and one of my partners is Maverick Coffee. So if everyone wants, anyone wants to sit down, have a cup of coffee, just chat, you know, get to know each other, talk real estate, talk homes for good. I'd love that. Uh, I'd love that opportunity to share that with you. Give the phone number one more time. 858-775-5422. So when a San Diego number calls you, it's really me here in Arizona. <laughs> and then my website is homesforgoodaz.com. And that's the best way to kind of watch what we're doing. There's a sign up there. I send out monthly newsletters with the impact we're trying to create. And uh, I'm just very grateful to everyone that has rallied around me, rallied around this story, including you, Tim, to help me trying to transform, not necessarily transform or disrupt this industry, but you know, use my platform to, to be a serve at a greater purpose. And uh, I love the potential of this business, the access it gives me. And I can honestly say, as I started this conversation, if you told me five years ago, I'd be an agent in Arizona, I'd be, I'd say, get out of here. But now I'm probably in the mo most confident spot I've ever been in my professional career and in, and in an industry I never thought I would ever be in. And it's because the relationship access this industry gives, and it's my ability to be of service on so many levels to so many people. And we got a great city here, and there's so many amazing organizations, and and that's true too across the country and other cities. And you know, Homes for Good is going to start tapping into that pretty soon. And I'm an open book, and would love to share more and talk more. And if anyone has any questions, please reach out through any of those channels. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you being here. Guys, everybody, thank you for listening. Again, this is Tim Regan with the Pivot Podcast. I am the branch manager for Pivot Lending here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I, I want to say thank you again to Tim McBride of the Wexford Group and Homes for Good AZ for being here. And we will see you all next time. Thank you all for listening in. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. This episode was brought to you by Pivot Lending Group, NMLS 10995. Copyright 2021, Pivot, all rights reserved. Financial Funding Solutions Incorporated, TBA Pivot Lending Group. 10397 West Centennial Road, Littleton, Colorado, 80127. Pivot does business in accordance with the Fair Housing Law and Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Pivot Lending is regulated by the Division of Real Estate, Colorado. To learn more or find a full listing of our state licensing, visit pivotlending.com or nmlsconsumeraccess.org.